Hey, welcome to the Benzo Rehab Dungeon episode 30. It is uh, February 12th, uh, 2021. I am joined uh, in person today by uh, Dank Deleuze uh, or Danko Suvin from the uh, the Instagram account at Dank Deleuze. You're so right. As always, yes. Um, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing real good. Uh, mostly because today I know we're we're gonna go fast. We're gonna go fast. We're yeah, gonna we're, go gonna, so we're gonna fast. we're going to talk about the subject of accelerationism. Uh, yes, today, sir. Which uh, we maybe put off a little bit longer than we should have. Um, not not really accelerating into this topic, I guess. We're uh, doing it for our friends, though. We are doing we're it for you. our friends, who is, is all of the listener. Um, well, also just that uh, I'm I'm gonna say I'm not gonna wait until the end to uh, to to pitch this, but by the time that this is out, uh, we timed this. Uh, we weren't lazy. Yes. We timed yes. this perfectly, <laughs> like warriors, like 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 generals. We're timing our strikes, um, but um, <laughs> but we 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 timed this so that uh, we're releasing it at the same time as another podcast that I was on, yes. uh, the uh, bringing down the grindhouse, uh, which you can also find all the places that you find podcasts uh, and uh, uh, forget exactly what their tag is. It's, it's uh, uh, at mm. so B uh, D T G H underscore podcast. I believe you're so, yeah, you're so right again. You're so right yet again. Yeah. If that was wrong, then I'm sorry, but I, it's, it seems, it seems correct. Last, last week uh, I fucked up the acronyms. So, did you? Yeah. <laughs> BTGR or something? Yeah. Um, so it's B D T G H. What, what down the grindhouse? Yeah. Whatever bringing down the grindhouse is, but yeah, so they're, they're releasing an episode today. So you have kind of a double feature, uh, on hyperstition, and theory fiction that I'm on. And we're going to cover hyperstition a little bit just as a kind of a note uh, later on in this episode. But um, yeah, today we're doing accelerationism, right? which is um, linked. Before we get into that... Uh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't ask. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, that, that wasn't something you needed to ask. That, that wasn't what you wanted to get into right now? No. About your feelings? <laughs> my feelings, my emotions. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had... Your heart rate. Um, you know what? I've seen a lot of Twitch streamers are now like they syncing up their like little watches that like monitor their their uh, their heart rates with their streams, and it's like, is that real? Yeah. Oh, is it because they're playing like scary games or something? Not or? even that. Just like I don't know why. It's for, just for some. It. I don't know. It's it's like a weird <laughs> parasocial relationship sort <laughs> that, of thing. That 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 like you get a you get a. You know how quickly daddy or mommy's heart is beating against your your ear as yeah. your head is on their chest <laughs> when when you're falling asleep to their Twitch streams. That's I yeah I don't know it's it's weird to me. Um, that rules. I think okay. a lot of Twitch stream stuff is really weird to me. What? It's it's yeah. weird to you. Yeah, it's weird. To Twitch me. streamers are weird. Um. So, you know, anyways, we yeah, we got a on. we got a question on our last um uh episode on the uh the youtubes our extremely popular youtube yes our uh, extremely uh, popular channel. youtube that has 
at least three people that uh, maybe click on it. Whew. Um, Whew. So the, the question is, uh, why is it your conclusion that someone who wants a civil war will necessarily be dishonest? Uh, there seems to be a gap in your logic. Um, initially, I was just kind of like, eh, I'm not really going to respond to this, but I figure it's 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 an honest question, I think. And it's not uh, it's not unfair uh, to, to ask that question. Um, what I would say is there's there's no impetus for a civil war at this moment. Uh, if you think about like what a civil war in America right now would look like, what the you know, where would you draw the battle lines? Who would be involved and on what sides, you know, would would people be on and what the uh, what the, you know, the purpose and point of a civil war would be at this point? There's there's not really a whole lot of reason for a civil war. Um, and so what what you then have to understand is that any kind of act in the creation of a civil war uh, necessarily has to be dishonest because there's there's no reason for it at this point. And um, when you're trying to create a conflict where there is none, you you have to lie. You have to make something up that that creates the conflict. Uh, we could look to the Iraq war. Um, there was no reason for America to get involved in Iraq. Uh, however, we lied about weapons of mass destruction. Um, I, 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 I fundamentally agree in, in in some ways but sure. but but only if we agree in kind of a sleight of hand that delusion and dishonesty are the same thing oh yeah yeah, yeah right for sure no no uh which well, I think, they are and they're not but yeah i mean I they, they the have to be boys mm. are being dishonest probably probably i know that there are some among them that are definitely just delusional but the the people that are leading are probably not true believers Right. Yeah. No. And and I think well and and you know you you could go into whether or not Colin Powell actually believed the intel that he got from the CIA. At right. some at right. some point there is a dishonest uh, uh facet to this for because sure. there there is no ne necessitation for a civil war. Uh so in order to make that civil war like Millions upon millions of Americans believed that, you know, we needed to enter Iraq right. um, to get these weapons of mass destruction out of Saddam Hussein's hands. <laughs> However, at some point, there was an original lie that was created out of that, that created, you know, the conditions. And, you know, whether or not it's, you know, like QAnon conspiracy shit, somebody is behind that and somebody knows that there's a lie there. Right. Um, I will... Um... I, I I will follow uh, follow this up with with just the uh, before we we have to eat our feet. Okay. Uh, but uh, we will following that uh, be uh, uh, covering a topic that could potentially lead to uh, civil war. So <laughs> sure. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that but what we're talking about here is ultimately the uh, uh, producing uh, uh, contexts that would require it which is the difference sure. right uh, yeah. it's not dishonest because we're we're making it necessary <laughs> <laughs> fair point right um so yeah that that would be my response to that is, that's a good response yep. you know whether whether magnus uh believes god what a fucking name uh, yeah he's big boy his name Mag is literally magnus. big boy <laughs> yeah. which is so good <laughs> um you know, may, maybe there's there's a sense of delusion there, um, but I don't believe that's the case with him. I think mm. uh, 
I think it's pretty clear, you know, he, he can say now, oh yeah, I'm, I'm on Antifa's side, but um, whether or not that's part of a ploy to, you know, kind of create some sort of coalition in the aim or pursuit of, you know, uh, trying to start a civil war, you know, it's, it's hard to judge the motive there, but I, I do believe that he's being dishonest. And I think mm. that when, whenever you're creating a conflict out of nothing, uh, dishonesty is is necessary in that uh right pursuit and and i guess just to to uh to knock down the argument that some people will make that he is just delusional would be just to kind of shore up something you've already implied but just to say it more explicitly that at a certain point delusion and dishonesty uh there is no fucking difference in like larger political matters yeah right right cool awesome that's uh, that's all I got on that, and we will roll into uh, the the acceleration. <laughs> I got our, I've got our. We're not going to be really looking at links or anything, but you know. Yeah, our I'm our source. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very validated source of, mm-hmm. uh, on top of peer that. reviewed. Um, so we're going to have this incredibly cyclic uh, uh, GIF of Sonic running in the background, which we own the rights to. Uh, I don't think we own the rights to Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I don't think anybody owns or does not own Sonic uh, running gifts. Um, yeah, well, we're doing this as a parody of him, so yeah, we're allowed I, to do and this. Also, and for education, yeah, education, advertisement, etc. You're not allowed to do that for advertisement, are you? I, don't I think that's illegal. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh shit! They're gonna get me. Um, so yes, uh, the floor is yours, and uh, you you will lead us on the discussion of uh, what accelerationism is and is not. I believe. Yes. Um, so is is not is an interesting way to start off with it because accelerationism can be very basically defined as the. Sorry to use the word in the definition, but trust me, it works. But the acceleration or the magnification of capital's internal contradictions. Okay. That's ultimately all that means. Now, internal contradictions means something uh, more specific, which I'll lay out in what, like a, a nine to 10 point checklist later. Um, and, and that's what it literally means inside of uh, kind of economic theory, talking about systemic risk. But there are other contradictions that are necessary for understanding uh, a deeper kind of philosophical underpinning of this kind of stuff. Um, So I I will clarify that the contradictions that I'm going to be talking about at first are not generally the contradictions that people are talking about in accelerationism, but are still deeply important to it, I think. Um, But before I even do that, I want to just say that the philosopher George Bataille uh, is is my favorite exemplification of this, but maybe maybe the better exemplification of, of this type of thought is Heraclitus. Um, and Heraclitus is the guy that said that famous thing about how you can only step into the same river once, right? right. Um, what he's actually saying in that phrase is that as you step into a river, the river remains the same, but that which is in it changes. Right. right. And and this is, you know, this is actually very scientifically valid in a lot of ways because, you know, the the contents of the water may have changed. The water itself, the water molecules have changed. Right. Um I, I believe you mentioned this in in your last uh, little uh thing about um your workshop 
And as you were explaining, I was like, oh, this is kind of like the ship of Theseus. And then you later went on to yes. say, oh, this is like the ship of Theseus. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not stupid. I it's yeah. It's, it's good to know that you're, on you're on the same page yeah. as, as who you're listening to. Um, um but the, the, the reason that I bring that up, uh, apart from the fact that rivers do in fact go fast. They do go fast. <laughs> well, it, some, some go slow. Some go slow, but, uh, but, but ultimately rivers, they move and that's kind of that's the point that uh, that that we can kind of shallowly take from it but the the general application of this type of logic and and that phrase is that there um uh, that things change and that things are always changing and things will never ever stay the same right which is a good thing to take from it but i think uh in a critique that's made of the work by both plato and aristotle they both do this uh and and they both end up producing something useful by pr- trying to tear it apart, um, is that they say that what Heraclitus is saying due to his exact verbiage, which I tried to get close, but ex- his exact verbiage is very confusing and kind of contradictory, is that uh, he is simultaneously saying that everything is always changing, but also that there is an equality of opposites, uh, which sure. exists within the movement of the water. Um, and they try to say that this is a problem, because you can't have an equality of opposites if everything is constantly in flux and constantly changing. That's not true. You, in fact, can have that. And that is where we enter into something like Hegel. Hegel is the first real example of contradictions. He's actually not the first uh, one temporally, which would be, in this case, Heraclitus, but actually also Kant will mention him. But Hegel is obsessed with this thing called dialectic. Yeah. He doesn't call it dialectic, but Hegelians call it dialectic. Right. He also and doesn't call it thesis, antithesis, and th- synthesis, but people that like Hegel say those things. But what those things mean is that historically or within a body or, or pretty much anything in the world, things are structured by two opposites, uh, more or less, or two interacting forces uh, that re- relate to one another. Uh, and through recognizing or coming into contact with one another, produce um, a sum that is greater than the parts. Right. That's ultimately with what the thesis, antithesis, synthesis thing is. This works for ideas, for for, for organisms, for all sorts of different things. Um, and those are contradictions, right? And right. so he builds an entire system of history off of the idea that uh, that it's guided by equal opposites which come face to face and produce uh, a, a sum greater than its parts, which is very similar to the Heraclitan River, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Kant brings up just to to rewind uh, a good thirty years, um, which in Kant, historical Kant was before uh, Hegel. Uh, they have a little bit of overlap in their lives. But Kant, I believe, died in around like 1805 or something, whereas Hegel died in 1830 something, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, um, I guess I had a. I, I would have thought it was the other way. The yeah, right. I mean, Kant, the the way that he talks about like antinomies and like his mathematical paradoxes and everything, he he feels so modern um, in, yeah. in a lot of bizarre ways. Whereas Hegel's just like consciousness comes to know itself and this is why history will produce a perfect <laughs> like fucking geist a, 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 a spirit and by the way spirit is a bone and so yeah he seems like a fucking ancient <laughs> yeah. psychopath 
Yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit shamanistic, I guess. Which his, is uh, dope. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's cool, but but you know, but old school, right? Some, some of Hegel's <laughs> ideas, I think, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Go I'm, on. I, I'm I'm not allowed to like Hegel being someone that's like nominally a delusion, but I fucking love Hegel. Um, but so Kant, uh, one of the big takeaways for him is an idea that every stoner you have ever sat in a dorm room with has <laughs> talked to you about. They didn't say it in these terms, probably, uh, but it's extremely important to recognize, and most people kind of intuitively do, uh, or at least now but that there are, are things called noumena and phenomena. Noumena is what the world actually is. And the sad fact of reality is that we will never, ever experience it because we can only ever experience phenomena. Right. Phenomena are just the results of all of the structures of our understanding and our body, sense organs and whatnot, producing a model or an image inside of our minds. We will only ever engage with our minds. Uh, the eye only ends up seeing itself uh, reacting to light, right? Yeah, and, and you know, to, to expand on that maybe a little bit, you know, the, the eye re reacts to light and then it sends it to your brain, which essentially processes that and, and gives you that image. Um, right, and there's and model after model and there's latency and there's latency yeah. and other things you know like birds uh, a, a lot of species of birds apparently can see uv light you can't see uv light so the mantis not, shrimp has yeah, so like you're, <laughs> yeah you're not you're not able to experience the world in all of its fullness and you know yeah. to some extent that's okay because it would be very very confusing if you could <laughs> see literally every wavelength of light um, right it would, it would like it would, you would actually be better off being blind at certain points <laughs> <laughs> and and you know that's that's what like a lot of lovecraft's work is based on just right. the idea that there is so much more to the universe than you know the basic senses and, and interactions that we have and that we're actually ultimately swimming inside of a reality that is infinitely more complex than our our, our senses um, and yet still ultimately very real and can somehow superveniently uh, inject itself into our lives, which is the scariest thing in the universe or Christian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so Kant builds a contradiction here. Actually, he builds a lot of contradictions. I, I mentioned these before, the antinomies, but we won't get into those, though they're really fascinating and really cool, especially if you like physics. Um, but the... The contradiction there doesn't seem like it's a historically oriented contradiction unless we're talking about the understanding of the world, right? Because phenomena is always all about understanding. Right. Just keep that in mind for later. Okay. So those are our kind of basic contradictory models, neither of which are the contradictions that accelerationists, at least accelerationists that know what they're talking about, are generally mentioning when they say contradiction. So I need to say that 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 again and again, just to make sure that people stay with us that do know about accelerationism and that other people that don't know about it yet don't get off on the wrong foot. Right. Um, Marx picks up Hegel. Marx uh, owes most of all of his thought in a structural way to Hegel. Yeah. Which is funny because they're decidedly non-Hegelian philosophers and, and scholars and stuff that work off of Marx's theory that disagree vastly with Hegel, but that's okay. Um, but Marx uh, sees that 
Uh, capital is a developing model responding to previous developing models in very much a Hegelian dialectical thesis, antithesis, synthesis type of way. And that based on this type of thought and based on certain phenomena which he sees inside of capital, which are the contradictions we'll go over, that 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 capital will ultimately necessarily collapse. Yep. And it will collapse because it itself has the power that it does. It doesn't collapse because it's shit. It collapses because it is amoral, ultimately, but it, 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 it collapses because of its own efficiency in, in a funny way, which then leads to its greater inefficiency. But then, as we'll mention again, in, again, another contradiction or paradox, because of its inefficiency, it develops an efficiency, which then makes it even more nightmarish and, and complicated. Yeah, I can think of some examples, but I think you probably have some other points. You do want you to do you have a do you, do you have maybe a good example for us, uh, just to kind of take a breather for a second from the theory? Or um, so so you're talking about you know how how capitalism or capital itself um, is so efficient that it creates inefficiencies on accident. Um, so you know you're you're talking about like a banking system that's so efficient that it has all these little pieces working together but then it creates something like oh i had to call customer service because there was like a banking account error or um something like that but basically what what ends up happening is like these things become so efficient that the inefficiency actually monetizes itself because now you're paying somebody to handle all these customer service requests sort of things um that, would that be kind of a good example? Or That's actually, that's not something that I would have usually thought about as an example of it, but it actually is an extremely insightful version of some of the stuff we'll be talking I about later. So that's, every now and that's then, great. So. That's really good. Every now and then. <laughs> every now and then it works. Every now and then. Um, but if we do see that capital, through its virtue uh, or its capacity, um, does away with itself, it can do that in one of two ways, right? Because one way or the other, it's the productive power of capital, which is necessary not only for capital and for the good things that it has done, mm -hmm. and Marx acknowledges those. No, and that, that's um, something important to bring up about Marx, yeah. is that uh, he, he recognized the successes of capitalism and thought that they would be a good launching point for a right. more equal society exactly so so you can either use the uh these these uh, powers of capital for ultimately very uh liberal or libertarian kind of means or you can use them for uh a kind of a revolutionary collapsing type of mean yep. um so both but both of these ultimately almost necessarily have to happen uh, at the end of it one relies on the other another contradiction uh, but again, not the contradictions we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's just full of contradictions. Yeah. Um, but these, where to go from there, really? Um, so, so it's it is because of the productive capacity of capital that we can do th certain things like. Maybe I should do prescriptions at the end, but 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 I'll 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 do a quick one here, or quick quick example of how capital's success uh, uh, frees us from it in some ways, in the positive way, and then one in a negative way. Right. The, the 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 positive way would be that everyone has 
some extremely obnoxious friend who owns a 3D printer. <laughs> and I have some non-obnoxious friends that own a 3D printer. Also true. Yeah. But everyone has at least one obnoxious one. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I just wanted to make that distinction that we're not saying everybody who owns a 3D printer is obnoxious. No, in fact, we should have more people with them. Uh, but, but there is inevitably one person that has a 3D printer in your life that is obnoxious about it. Well, it's like, uh, you know, we all know one obnoxious cryptocurrency person. Uh, which is another example of this. Just one. <laughs> well, we are, right. Um, I, I feel like I feel like I've I've come into knowledge of several more of them now that uh, oh, everybody yeah. learned that stocks aren't real. <laughs> Money is <laughs> right. fake. <laughs> right. Um. But 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 so the fact that we are able to do things like build new forms of currency, uh, and and print things in our homes, and the fact that these things will only advance uh, based on demand from the market, and so capital has to give it to us. Yep. Um. Which is funny, you know. Capital always builds the things that will take it apart. Um, that's the positive end of it, where eventually, in a theoretical world, uh, we all—and this won't happen—but something uh, a, a way more minor version of it will happen. Um, everyone has uh, a magical Star Trek machine in their house that builds the things that they want. Um, that's not going to happen. But everyone is able to become more and more free from capital due to the things that capital gives us in some ways. Unless they have things like manufactured obsolescence uh, involved, uh, which I can't not think of when I'm looking at my phone, which is an example of the opposite, where the things that capital gives us are inherently faulty and shitty and immiserating, uh, and then the failure of capital... Uh, repeatedly causes it to collapse because people either get sick of it or give it up or the the system itself can't hold itself together. Um, so those are the two kind of kind of results. Um, but how, what what's what, what's our what's our time like with this? How long have we been talking? Oh, only twenty five minutes. Okay, cool, cool. And and probably like six of those were my rebuttal to the uh, or response to the question. So you know. cool, cool. Well, this might nobody's be... nobody's fallen asleep yet. Maybe right, right. <laughs> okay, so that's that's our real. Oh, sorry. I I'm gonna bring back the Kant. Right, Kant is important here because it brings in something that's extremely important to parts of acceleration, specifically acceleration as it was originally uh, kind of uh, envisioned, which a lot of people say Nick Land is responsible for it. Not true. He's he's the the like the father of accel of accelerationism, I guess, but also a Twitter racist. But he's he <laughs> he is neo um, China, <laughs> right? Uh, but well, no, but he's British, he loves so neo China, right? Right, and he loves he loves uh, neo China. Um, but uh, I know I'm just being shitty, right? No, I'm I'm yeah I I well have aware uh, well well aware of that. Yeah, <laughs> I have the I've got the spectrum. Um, but um. Fuck that 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 sent me into a. I'm sorry, I did a brain spiral. Thing. Oh yeah. Anyway, can't. So yeah. So he is uh, the types of thought that 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 arise from Kant lead to uh, writers like um, uh, what is his name? It starts with a Z. I forget his name, but he's a novelist, and he's the first person that actually mentions accelerationism. Uh, or accelerationists, which are essentially people that just see the power of technology and then they use it to its greatest uh, uh, effect, right? Mm. 
It's like Zell something. Um, but he's the person that really comes up with this idea first, at least in a fictional sense, which is funny because we'll 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 mention this as well. Hyperstition uh, is the affecting of culture through uh, through uh, fictional means and is a, a favored methodology by accelerationists. So it's interesting to see that already occurring in the first person to mention acceleration. Um, but then other authors, of course, bring it up, uh, J.G. Ballard, and then everyone from the CCRU and stuff bring it up in, in an academic sense. Um, but what, what they are taking from Kant is this concept that phenomena and noumena over time, though they don't touch, can get closer together, right? Mm -hmm. And that this is a necessary result of technology in a lot of ways, where the more you know about the world, the uh, the more that knowledge accelerates and the more you know about the world. And as long as your worldview isn't totally skewed and fucked. Um, and so the more that you know about the world, uh, accelerating itself accelerates not just because of the fact that you have a wider kind of basis of understanding, but also you are able to build greater technologies for an understanding and and production uh, uh, oriented around that. Yeah, and we um, could we could go back to the the idea of the eyeball, right? So mm. <clears throat> you know, hum humans see certain spectrums of light, and that's it. Uh, but however, through technology, we have things like night vision, which allow us to see. Yeah, you have eyeglasses. Obviously, is is a good example. But, I'd be you know, dead. Con continuing uh on that you know you have night vision you have thermal imaging now you have all sorts of different ways of experiencing the noumena in a kind of controlled way uh versus what you were you were born with or, or would originally have right never experiencing noumena but i i i understand where you're going yeah like um, getting closer to it is what I right mean. approximating noumena right. um the but but at a certain point in time, there's there's n not really a good way for any kind of human uh, to uh, to use all of the information available to us, even if we are cybernetic human beings that are attached to cell phones, right? Yeah. Um, and then this is where things uh, complicate the whole techno capital uh, spectrum, <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. It's you know the uh, a fusion of technology and capital, which Nick Land is obsessed with, and for good reason. Um, but but things like AI and algorithms and whatnot are necessary in order to uh, to use that information that otherwise we wouldn't be able to use all of. Uh, we need to have something else thinking for us, which yeah, produces right. some very scary sci-fi uh, uh, scenarios as well as real scenarios. Um, and and essentially what what you know that what's happening there is information that we couldn't possibly use is being filtered out. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh actually the the an Adam Curtis documentary just uh, just dropped or a documentary series and uh in the first episode I, the, the first episode's all I've seen of it so far, but he describes algorithms uh through like social media and stuff in a, a really elegant kind of fisherian way. Uh, I mean, El Fisher's not generally el elegant, but, um, you know, relating to Fisher's thought as in Fisherian. But, um, and he explains how, um, what exactly is the phrase? It's just one sentence, and it just kind of, it, it, it worked so well. 
but that because we're building a, an algorithmic machine uh, that gives us things to see, we are necessarily always viewing the past. Um, and so in many ways, while people are obsessed with technology in order to accelerate things, it's also producing what's called a hauntology, which is a, just as obnoxious as it sounds, but a hauntology is a repeated um, and necessary re-experiencing of the past and a deferral of the present and the future. The future becomes canceled, just like in our postmodernism episode, uh, we mentioned this, but the past constantly rises up to meet us, and eventually the future only becomes representations of the past. Right. Um, but that's neither here nor there um, until we en enter in and, and mention the hyperstition bit. Yeah, which I was going to say, I, I feel like that's a little bit here and there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like all of this is connected. Yet, maybe. <laughs> um, and for, for a, a deeper dive into hyperstition in, in, in a funnier way, maybe, uh, and, and maybe a, a, a more bare bones, uh, uh, easier to digest approach, you should check down that Bring Down the Grindhouse episode because I am explaining it to three people that have... With all love to them, they're fantastic, but they, they're very good with horror movies. They are not philosophy students. Um, Which neither am I, to be Right, sure. right. But you're a, a politics-obsessed shithead uh, that has to deal with me all the time. That's the uh, the nicest thing you possibly could have said. About exactly, me. yeah. <laughs> Politics-obsessed shithead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who isn't? Better, better people have been um, called worse things, I that's guess. That's true. <laughs> um, but with all of that drum rolling and waiting... I'm going to cover a list of the actual contradictions in a real, concrete, historical approach that you can see happening in the actual world in the past, and I guarantee you, you will see happening in worse, more horrifying ways in the future, possibly just more of it this week. Um... I kind of feel like I should bring this, like, uh, like make a little Word document and, like, just uh, type this shit out if that's... Uh, yeah, we, we could certainly yeah. do something like that. I can, I, well, I could do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, no, you, you, know, you know what I'll do uh, rather than this? I will, I will memify this, and I will release a, okay. uh, looks like a nine-point meme uh, uh, that, that people can see, and you can post it up on the Benza Rehab Dungeon as well. Um, with pretty pictures and everything, and a kind of a description of this. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a dumb idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's it's okay. Uh, if you still want to do it, it's fine. Yeah, I got um, it. It's up on the screen now. You okay. Can see it, yeah. So the, the first thing that happens inside of this system is that there is... A, uh, a breakage of labor power. So with, with labor power breaking uh, through the, the smashing of unions and through other basic forces, there is a wage repression. Sure. Uh, and not only is there a breaking of unions, and uh, which leads to wage repression, there are things like outsourcing, there are things like automation. All of this leads to repressed or depressed wages. Following from that, uh, and a necessary product of that, each of these are necessary pro products of one another, corporate profits increase. 
And when corporate profits increase, there is a new focus on the thing we mention all the time when we talk about the future and capital, which is greater speculation, more influence and and focus on futures markets. Yep. Finance becomes the real focus. Um and and you know the the financialization of things that should not be financialized um water being one of them water is right. now part of the speculative market yeah um, and it reasons to follow that if we continue down this path not only will water be a speculative market but clean air might be a speculative yeah uh, sort we'll, of thing. we'll we'll go straight total recall yeah. yeah um the first note i would probably just have that being wage repression um but uh, but it's both. Um, but the the interesting thing, and it's it's an obvious kind of equal opposites thing. Uh, but the thing that occurs with corporate profit increases and financialization is that the the the, the financialization of a market generally increases. This is still number two, but oh. um, it 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 still generally increases proportionately to the depression in labor power and and wage. Right. Okay. So the money that should go into your pockets is exactly why the stock market increases, which is why you see a market increase in the stock market year after year. It's yeah. not because the the everything is is healthy. It's because that money is literally, and I mean literally, being taken out of your own wages. Yeah, and and um. You know, it's it's uh, there's there's a graph that goes around a lot uh, whenever people are talking about uh, you know the the wages versus the productivity mm. and how productivity has increased almost exponentially in some in some respects and wages have kind of stagnated and so there's there's this there's this graph that shows the productivity just skyrocketing and the wages kind of staying the same and and it's it's important with that to realize that. It is stagnation in a basic numerary sense, yeah. but in reality, your wages are decreasing. No, 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 absolutely, and yeah. and that's that's part of the problem is that inflation. You know, it, there, there is inflation, and so while while your wage stays the same year by year, uh, the things like the cost of living are going up. Uh, inflation is happening, and so technically, you are making less and less over time because the dollar is no longer as important as it was. A year ago, the 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 fancy and uh, very appropriate word for this kind of uh, decrease uh, uh, by by Marxists is immiseration. Um, seems appropriate. So appropriate. <laughs> um, so, Mike, let me ask you a question. No. <laughs> okay. So, if we have a market economy, and the market economy is based on people buying things, yeah. And all of the money uh, that people could have in their pockets is being sequestered into futures markets. What what happens to the to to the the, the products that need to be bought? Uh, they are no longer able to be bought. Weird, right? Because you you have decreased. Uh, I, I forget who it was, but um, and and I'm not standing this billionaire or anything like that. Oh, is it Ruben? It You're might be about? Ruben. Or Rubio or no. something. What the fuck is his name? He's like the he's the famous like I'm a rich guy, but I don't want to get pitchforked in the ass kind of guy. Yeah, um, and and you know I'm not 
defending him or anything like that, but he had yeah. a good point. And, and, you know, nauseatingly, this is back when I used to watch Ted talks because I didn't know any better. Um, but, you know, he had this good point where, where he, he was talking about, you know, how you need to increase the minimum wage to, you know, drive the market economy. And the reasoning is that, you know, he has one head and when he goes to bed at night, he really just needs like one pillow. And in order to sell a bunch of pillows, you need a lot of people that can buy pillows. And, you know, there, there are certain like baselines of like what people will buy. Like people usually just need one car sort of thing. Um, and if you disenfranchise people to the point where nobody can buy a car or the only way that they can buy a car is through like indentured, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of like wage slavery right. sort of things. Um, you're, you're de-incentivizing the ability to buy a car and thus you're kind of just destroying that market on accident. But Mike, okay, go ahead. There is a way for them to still do it. Yes. Which is through financialization. Yes. And, and it, 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 uh, it complicates in a kind of a frightening way, but so the, but, but that is, that's what we're talking about directly though, is, is where. Uh, capitalism created a, a, a inefficiency and right. it responded to inefficiency by creating a new process that further financializes the system and uh, creates, you know, kind of like just another uh, maybe bringing this up a little bit too soon, but like kind of like a feedback loop of yes. uh, mon- monetization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the, all the, the points on this list are part of a feedback loop. Uh, so everyone knows. Um, but so the, the a, a rule in Marxist political economy is that necessarily profit declines over time, uh, and that's why profit declines because people uh, don't have the wages in order to buy the thing necessary because they're automatically repressed in order to increase profits. That's a contradiction, but it's a contradiction that's real, uh, and so the uh the the growth of of profits which are ironically catalyzed by deflation of wages sorry that deflation is a bad word to use because we're also talking about inflation but the 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 repression of wages uh which leads to greater profits ironically leads to a drop in profits and so more goods need to be sold yeah um but we don't always have more people uh, but even then, we're, we're producing a class of people that can't afford these things. So I guess number three would be uh, more goods must be sold. Oof. These, these fingers are drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, number number four would be kind of an extension, I guess, of number three. But it's simply that uh, wages and buying power are unable to sustain the growth. Which leads us into number five, which is something we saw hilariously happen in 2008, but also many times before, which is that, or, or before 2008, but we, we reap it later. So uh, I don't know, this is, I think, number seven uh, occurs. But credit markets pump in these these uh, uh, subprime mortgages and, and, and loans that are predatory to people that can't afford them. And so you go ahead and you uh, you essentially 
Predatory lending. Predatory lending, exactly. So predatory lending occurs, which is essentially giving someone a loan that they won't be able to pay back. Uh, and you need to give them a loan that they can't pay back because uh, if you aren't making that much money, uh, you aren't able to sustain anything else. Right. Um, what happens when you do predatory lending, Mike? Uh, you create a bubble, and then mm-hmm. the, the bubble eventually bursts and leads to a cataclysmic sort of economic failure. Right. When you lend people money that they can't pay back, they don't pay it back. <laughs> so Weird how that works. We have default happens yes. in six. Massive, massive debt default. Following from there, there is uh, just a systemic institutional failure, but not just an institutional failure. You don't just have Goldman Sachs collapsing. You have it collapsing and dragging down other banks and systems with it. Um, it cascades. Yeah, and, and maybe now is a good... I, I think I brought this up before, but you know, in 2008, I was working in the housing industry and uh, part of the reason I eventually decided to join the Marine Corps was because I'd lost my job. I got a job at a grocery store, but like it sucked because working at a grocery store sucks. Um, yep. But, you know, like like I, I had a pretty solid career ahead of me in the housing industry, uh, working, you know, kind of construction and maintenance and uh, the, the cascade from the 2008 market collapse eventually kicked me out of my job like everything downsized because there was just no money there anymore right um all, all of the housing became you know uh completely devalued in a lot of ways yeah and so what what happened is the the company i worked for uh sold the property to a different company and that company said hey uh we're, we're working off of a pretty slim budget here so we're gonna have to cut some staff and so you know myself and a couple of other people were fired from uh, the place i was working at Right. Um, and so, yeah, there, you know, that, that, that systemic failure not only just affects, you know, and, and really didn't actually affect Goldman Sachs because uh, of the uh, leadership we had at the time. Oh, we're bailing them out. We're getting to that, my yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. Um, but, you know, it, it, uh, it, it really affected the, the little man, which was me in this case. You are, you're a, you're not a little man. I'm, I'm a little enough. I'm a manlet. You're yeah, but Height, you're a height-wise. manlet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a thick hunk of small man. So, so my, <laughs> Mike, you've already answered this question, but I'll ask it again. Okay. Um, the answer completely different this time. This this general financial system that failed in 2008 and should have died, did it? No, it was uh, it was propped it, up by. <laughs> is it is it weaker now than it was before? Uh, no, I would say no. it's stronger now. Right. Uh, it and that's before. weird, right? That something can die and come back stronger. Um, I think that's what uh, that's that's Obi Wan's character arc in Star Wars. Yeah, right? yeah. He's he's a he's a, a metaphor for Chase banking. <laughs> <laughs> but but so George so, Lucas was really ahead of his time. On right. that one. <laughs> but what happens there is that the 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 locus of the crisis. Um, if it doesn't totally fucking fall apart, which it should have, um, well, yeah, that was the the argument at the time was that these these uh, institutions were too big to fail, right? Right. And 
the the reasoning behind that is so convoluted and and stupid and and you know the the simple you could have saved everything um this is this is me getting my shitty political brain into this <laughs> you could have saved everything by giving regular people like we we have the stimulus checks now for right. for covid all right so we know that the government can individually pay each american citizen something right and so what you could have done in order to save this whole thing is given regular people money to cover their mortgages and what would have happened out of that is every individual person that had a home that that fell to this this market collapse could have paid off their loans or like temporarily, you know, kept... which which bolsters the bank in turn, just in a different way. Yes, exactly. Uh, instead of much. instead of just giving money to the banks directly, you could have helped all these people save their homes and inadvertently, through the process of the system that was in place, saved the the banking uh, right institutions institutions as right. well. Yeah. So. So what happens is either it fails entirely and you have uh, a Christmas light scenario, uh, which is a, a, a metaphor that I'm making up right now. Uh, no, but it's a but, good one. But if anyone ever had like old school Christmas lights, when one of them goes out, none of them work anymore. Uh, and the spreads. reason is is that they're they're wired in series, right? And so it, it's basically like a chain where you uh, you break one link and the rest of the chain just kind of falls to the ground. Exactly. Um, and markets, especially financial markets, because of what we mentioned before, which is that as corporate profit needs to increase, as it's going to decrease because of that, that, that wage uh, paradox, um, things become more dependent on financialization. And so as financialization fails... Uh, everything else that was depending on it collapses. And so it's not just pensions. Uh, it's not just loans. It's absolutely everything that was leaning on it before, which is ultimately everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's a, it's symbiotic in an optimistic way. And it's, it's entirely parasitic at the same time. There's a word for something that does both. I guess that's just a symbiotic, but, um, so number eight would be the uh, oh sorry I, I guess I didn't get to the real the real crux of it the ending of it so this spreads uh, if there's a collapse and then everything collapses yeah um, which in a way is kind of what some people want in accelerationism but if it does not collapse if it is refinanced uh, this is a funny word to use because that's another predatory <laughs> lending scheme yeah. Um, <laughs> But if it is if it is bolstered by the government or it just survives on its own, it actually regains its strength, possibly more, generally more from what we've seen. But the crisis itself still ripples outward. Um, so the the crisis locus strengthens. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would be number eight. Would be a, a strengthening of the crisis locus and a spreading of the crisis. Now, the really, <laughs> really interesting kind of final point, and again, this loops, um, is that there is what they refer to as an accumulation by dispossession. Um, and accumulation by dispossession 
is uh have you ever you ever heard the the term the third world i have heard the term yeah. third world everyone has i guess right but the third world exists because of the fact that it is dispossessed so that the first world can accumulate yeah, and, and most of these uh, so-called third world countries are countries that are very resource rich, but have been disenfranchised of their resources through the act of financialization. Exactly. The more you can accumulate, the more you dispossess. Um, so if you have a lot of resources, people are going to fucking take them all. And the more they can take from you, the more they will take and the more they will immiserate you. Um, and and so the crisis uh, for number nine it 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 moves uh so the the crisis moves geographically and it moves through different market systems um into different financial markets when there is a collapse it it wanders mm. uh even even outside of the ripple i mean the ripple occurs but then it itself kind of creeps around the world causing new collapses and new crises which then either cause full-blown collapses which are then bolstered elsewhere or central strengthenings of those crisis locuses or loci i guess locus yeah it doesn't matter locuses uh, uh, but so you have you have these accelerating uh, uh centers of growth uh in response to collapse which provide us these bizarre crazy things but also greater immiseration um as well as sp- spreading and increasing uh and and um more and more frequent collapses uh and this just goes on and on and as the crisis moves what happens when a when an economic crisis moves into your space be it geographic or uh or or market uh, oriented uh, there's there's a destabilization perhaps there's a deep stabilization but what happens to you just the average person that lives in this community or works in that market. Oh, you uh, you lose everything. Your <laughs> wages are repressed, or yeah. you just lose your fucking job. Right, right. Yeah. So, so we go back to uh, to number one. So we go back to one, and so this this sequence, it leads in two directions at once, which are the directions that we noted before, that there is a greater immiseration of people, which is generally what people think of when they think about acceleration, which is zoom, zoom, boom, boom, is the kind of the joke uh, uh, definition where you you speed up this process, things get worse, uh, and people revolt, uh, or the market itself can't hold itself together. Yeah, yeah. The but, the the idea in kind of simplified terms mm. is that things get so bad that we can't stand it anymore, and so we we make it different, or that, that it couldn't stand if it wanted to. Right. Yeah. But but on on the other side of it. Uh, there's there's such an extraordinary strengthening of these lo- these crises loci, uh, which I hope I'm using the right word there. It sounds cool as shit. <laughs> uh, that these become kind of uh, technological and financial powerhouses, uh, and just just boost uh, uh, capital even further. Um, which again leads to the same paradox where it's it, you're you're doing a coin flip each time. Do we lead into a stronger form of techno capital, or do we lead into the absolute demolition and collapse uh, uh, of th- this this system in, in cascading effect? Um, well, I mean, look look at the the emergence of the hedge fund, right? 
Right, right. <laughs> they this want is, things to collapse. Yeah, they, the, they the hedge fund originates off of betting that something will collapse, something will fail. Exactly, and it, that's, it that's fucking exactly. Yeah, that's that's a new thing, and that's you know part of what was so hilarious about you know two weeks ago when the the GameStop uh, stock thing was happening was that like it was like these these hedge funds have bet on so many markets failing, and these hedge funds got really rich off of the 2008 financial crisis um, because they were betting against the failure of, of all these right. uh, institutions. And so, you know, it was, it was funny to see that come up and swear like, Oh, regular people bet against your failure. And, and they called it because they made it happen. Right. And uh, now your failure is paying them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's real that's it in a in a nutshell a neat little neat little nutshell um what else do we need to cover um the um well i think it uh i, th I think an important thing that we maybe please. need to bring up is uh we we both are, are fans of yanis varifakis hell yeah yeah that guy fucks that dude fucks yeah I mean, he, he looks like he alleged, fucks too. He looks like he fucks. He does look pretty. He's a, he's he's, a handsome he's man. A very handsome man. I, I, uh, for for a Greek guy, he's pretty me. handsome. For a Greek guy, <laughs> I'm, <just kidding. laughs> I'm in the Mediterranean. The Greeks now, are actually. the Greeks are very handsome people. I've decided that I'm. I only want to sleep with Mediterraneans. Mediterraneans. Now. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you dehumanize them a little bit when you. That's <laughs> part of sex for me. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But you know <laughs> he he true. talks he talks often about how you know we think that the 2008 financial crisis is over, the 2008 financial crisis is continuing. Oh yeah, and it's 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 it'll uh, never end. It's it's continually collapsing upon itself to the point right. where you know I'm I'm looking to move out of this area because the housing market has become so obscene that like even though I have a decent job in this area, I can't afford any housing in this area right. anymore. Right. I, I actually in, in in the city I, I work in, um, there's a a new housing development that went up, and uh, they're they're big advertisement. And mind you, these are these are townhomes, so we're not talking about like houses with their own little plot of land, you know, like where you can be comfortable and and separate from everybody. Got these are bet. like very connected townhouses, like like three townhouses in a row, sort of thing. Uh, and their their advertisement is like houses starting at the uh the high 500,000s fuck me <laughs> jesus christ like that's that's their selling point is like no 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 these these houses only cost $590,000 well, well mike so you're saying that you're going to respond to a market where you can't afford a product by not moving, not 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 by not buying the product and moving out of the market to make space for people who can afford it. Yes. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds exactly like accumulation by dispossession. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Crazy, right? And, and, and is know... that perhaps uh, because of a break in labor power <laughs> and wage repression? That, that is, and and you know we. Maybe this is getting a little bit too deep in the weeds Never. of the personal story. Oh, okay. No, uh, but, don't talk to. But we were recently feelings. removed from our last house. We um, were yeah, because the the landlord decided to sell it while we were living in it, and 
due to the rules that exist. Um, and, and we had no reason to be evicted from this place. By now, the way. we were pretty good tenants. I mean, we paid on yeah, time. And no, every, everything was paid on time, whatever. We didn't send uh, uh, the landlord any pictures of us kissing. or No. We, not, we, not uh, maybe single, he wouldn't let us stay. Not a single picture of us kissing. And we have a lot of them. Yeah. Tons. Um, Tongues. There, there's an OnlyFans if you... There should be. Yeah, we should monetize. Oh, we do this. have one. We do have one. Yeah. Do we use it? <laughs> just pictures of your thighs. <laughs> it's just a video of a uh, a man singing about hot hot gay cowboys having sex. It's, oh, is it actually? Yeah, it's, because uh, it, it's Ram Ranch. You know what? The original. You, you know what we should put up on there. Okay. And maybe I'm maybe maybe I shouldn't say this out loud because they should just see it and pay for it. But just you and I's faces getting getting like increasingly redder and sweatier. Ooh. While Giannis Farifakis plays in the background, that's a uh, that's hot as shit, dude. Right? That's, that's what I'm saying. That's my kink. Yeah, that's my. <laughs> I, I just yeah. I just now realize it's my kink. Yeah, I. Mean... Uh, but the the house that uh, the house that we were living in, and and uh, we're, we were paying a fair amount uh, per month for for. It by was fair, a house with by fair rooms. amount. I mean, uh, not a fair yeah, amount to me. Work. A fair amount as in like it was a lot of money. Hmm. Uh, but we were paying a lot per month to live there. Uh, it was sold for six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. It's pretty dope. Um, I mean, honestly, which though, I could never fucking afford in my life, Mike. What was as it? somebody who works for the government that right. manages this area, by the way, Mike? What was it like though, living in a uh, uh, six point eight? Uh, million dollar mansion <laughs> <laughs> or i mean sorry yeah. point, six point, eight, point, point six eight eight. yeah um still you know challenging yeah uh, i mean you, it, it wasn't the you gotta uh, fill the rooms with shit yeah it wasn't you know? uh it wasn't uh i wasn't living lavishly or anything like that um um no but Literally, like when when I was looking through like the housing market around the area, there's there's actual shacks that are going for like five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, there were literally shacks in our neighborhood. Yeah, there L- were literally actual were. like like up on like tin roof shacks. Yes, up on stilts with tin roofs and like barely anything for walls. Shacks I, going I, for five hundred thousand dollars. Love that shit. <laughs> it's, oh my god, fuck yeah! Good thing nothing we've said today has been true. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all lies. It's all lies. None of this makes sense. You don't see it in your own lives. Uh, you can definitely just thumb your ass at us and say, "Uh, no, I've never seen anything like that happen." Um, Have you ever tried getting a better job, sweaty? Yeah, <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to afford uh, a fucking house uh, if you're the project manager for some giant construction project. You're yeah. not supposed to, okay? That's supposed to be a transitional job you get in high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, these are these are entry level project management jobs. <laughs> and and you can see in the in the mathematical logic of capital the same like moral logic that that people on the more like I guess conservative or capital friendly end of the spectrum uh, and, and end up using for people where it's like. No, you shouldn't be able to afford, I don't know, healthcare or whatever if you're working as a burger burger flipper. Yeah, because you don't because, need health well, as, well, as a person, you know. Yeah, but 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 their logic for it is that we need to use wage repression 
in order to produce an accumulation by dispossession because that will make it so that you don't stay there and you do something great with your life, like become a fucking astronaut or something. Yeah, but we've talked about this before where, you know, you you can be invested in a company where you're working very hard, but, you know, there's maybe one regional manager yep. job that yeah, can yeah. open up every every like 20 or 30 years depending on how many regional managers move in and out right like there's there's no actual escalation of uh your your position in a company in a lot of cases yeah. or or your position of of standing within you know just general society like and it's like basic numbers and physics really like yeah no, only exactly. so many things can go through a tunnel that is so thin like, right yeah yeah bottlenecks yeah. um but yeah I, and but but that still nevertheless um is is still the moral logic of of capital uh as well as the cultural logic as well as the literal mathematical logic and that's why it's so deeply contradictory and paradoxical in moral terms because it's deeply moral morally paradoxical but still efficient in a bizarre way in mathematical terms and so uh really if you if you talk to someone that is gung fucking ho for capitalism, an ANCAP or like a libertarian or something, and I, I try not to. Right? Yeah, it's it it's an experience. It's really fun. Can, can I? Uh, I had a libertarian just, phase. I did. Yeah, I did. Um, I did as well. Right. Um, Every young man does. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think when when you start questioning like the systems of of power that are in play, mm-hmm. I think you you kind of necessarily have to go through a phase where you're like, okay, well, let's just do away with all that, and we'll let you know we'll we'll let capitalism work and you know we, and, we'll get rid of all the the shit that's like making capitalism bad and, and then and add the you, drug of testosterone into it where you're like i could beat anyone's ass i could right, fucking yeah, do it yeah, yeah. i'll be a ceo well you know you're, you're raised with this idea of meritocracy being yeah. like a part of 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 how things work and uh, in order to shake that belief you have to learn that meritocracy isn't real right and you have to learn that the hard way usually, or you just have to like spend enough time thinking about it and go like, okay, yeah, the... you just have to spend time thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but like it takes a little bit of time and like a, a sort of like, um, you know, you, you have to see the the examples kind of play out in your in your own life where you go, hey, this person works, you know, really fucking hard, forty maybe fifty hours a week, and uh, they're not in charge of the company when you know. I see this the CEO of a company playing golf every you know, yeah, uh, you know during working hours you know hey we're just doing business sort of stuff you know right like, like there 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 is no such thing as a meritocracy if you think about it for like no any amount of time and you look at the actual like Jeff Bezos doesn't work uh, what is it like three hundred times the average oh it's Amazon, more than that yeah like <laughs> four hundred times um, the the average Amazon workers uh, right uh wages like he doesn't work 400 times harder than all those than people. anyone yeah he, he, there's there's no actual way for a, for an individual human being to work yep. 400 times harder than another human like even if you're doing nothing like just the basic process of like you breathing and right. and like metabolizing things yeah you could be taking up space and <laughs> yeah uh-huh. you, you could literally be a vegetable and still uh, yeah. not have Jeff Bezos work well, 400 haven't times you seen than... The Matrix, Mike? I have, yeah. Well, <laughs> Humans are little batteries. Uh, I had to mention the, the Matrix once in the acceleration. Yeah, I, I figured that would um, come up. 
But I, I, I'm realizing there are a couple other things I, I need to bring up. Yeah, um, please, please go. But on. first and foremost is that I am not, I'm not just showing off by wearing my alma mater's um, uh, uh, sweater here. Well, then take it off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. please don't. I'm, don't. <laughs> I'm also uh, here to, uh, to, to. Make a confession that oh, mo- no. most people do know about me. Actually, I, I think it, at least anyone that's talked to me about anything intellectual for longer than in five minutes. Um, but uh, I think there are uh, extremely troubling things about accelerationism, which is not my confession. I think that's just patently the case. Yeah, it's it is troubling by its nature, and it is. Uh, well, well, I think the the distinction to make here is that you don't want accelerationism to happen. You just recognize that it is. You just fucked it up for me, buddy. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that, that that is where I'm going with this. The reason that I'm wearing the U Chicago thing is because Milton Friedman uh, was a uh, professor and a student from University of Chicago, uh, and he's more or less the founder of libertarianism. Uh, he believes in an absolute laissez-faire market, and he he notices some elegant things about the market. And honestly, looking at the elegance uh, and reality of that nine-point system that I laid out for you, which, by the way, is not my nine-point system entirely, uh, but I forget the person's name from which most of the information is from. He's he's an economist, uh, but I we we will make sure that we 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 make note of it. Um, if, just come to my page when I do the nine point meme thing. I'll 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 note it. Um, but it is an elegant system, and it, it it in any way in many ways can be beautiful and surprising, and and because it is so balanced in the scary way, um, it can make you think that it works. Right, well, because a, it does work. It's like a Cthulian <laughs> horror, right? Well, okay, so so there's <laughs> there's uh, forever in, in, collapsing in like, upon itself in the abyss. Right. Well, well, there, there's a difference inside of like uh, aesthetic theory between the beautiful and the sublime, and this is another Kant thing. Um, but beauty, the way that I've always explained it, is like the internal workings of a clock or a rose or something, where you see the parts. And you're just infatuated with the fact that you can process it all, and it's all so good and like works. And it's the the greater things intricacy in a lot of ways, the more beauty it has, um, like a rococo or whatever. Um, even though I think that's gross and bad. Uh, but uh, yes, sir, uh, you should help me out as I speak. I'll do. Um, but the sublime is when something is so massive and incomprehensible that it breaks the subject from himself. It's a limit experience uh, where you you no longer um, uh, understand what the fuck is happening. And then you kind of reconsolidate and become you again. And that's a different ty- type of experience of beauty. And so I think that uh, Lovecraft monsters and, uh, and Capital, though they have some similarities in that they're terrifying... One is terrifying because it's beautiful, and one is terrifying because it's sublime. Um, Fair but, point. S- sorry, that was me doing the spectrum thing again. But, <laughs> um, but I want to note a little bit about uh, about a couple additional things. Number one, that I feel like most accelerationists are going to be really angry at me if I don't uh, touch on this little bit of stuff uh, towards the end. 
Oh, sorry. I should clarify really quickly uh, what I was saying before that you ruined. My uh, bad. Which is simply that I uh, I think acceleration is a, is scary and mortifying and unavoidable. And I think things are accelerating for that Kantian reason, not for any political reason necessarily, but I think that as we gain a greater knowledge of the world and as we uh, acknowledge more and more of what is occurring within it, we generally will produce greater and greater technologies, many of them lending themselves directly into capital markets, financial markets, things of the sort, uh, which leads into an acceleration of capital, uh, as well as, you know, all, obviously all of the productive modes of it. Accelerationists uh, who like this kind of thing, uh, and also myself in a way, but this one I have, uh, I have more complex feelings about it, and I'm kind of mixed, but we... Sorry, not we. They, slash we, love automation. Sure. From a very basic Marxian standpoint, which is that the, the goal, even though I think that this is a misunderstanding of accelerationism for, for, for reasons that I think are evident, but maybe we should explain them, they, they think that automation will make more space in their lives for all the things that Marx talks about in the manifesto, uh, like living your fucking life uh, instead of working all the goddamn time. But we've seen through history that automation doesn't do that. No, we've, we've, seen... we've seen through history that automation uh, destroys job markets and because there's <clears throat> no backup for the wages lost in those job markets, uh, we see people become destitute out of it. Right. Uh, you know, the, the industrial revolution was, uh, wonderful for, uh, maybe <laughs> the industrial revolution and its consequences have been, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the industrial revolution and its consequences have been disastrous for humankind. Or I think he says mankind. That's a, he that's definitely a does. That's a Teddy K Te uh, quote. Yeah, Teddy K definitely only says mankind. <laughs> mankind. He uses the word broads yeah. so much in that fucking that yeah. manifest. It's Man, bizarre. If, if only Amprims were were more Literate? woke. <laughs> more woke. Right. More woke. Um, <laughs> but you know the the industrial revolution was was great for you know like creating the capacity to feed everybody in the world but it didn't do that because it right. like yeah. disenfranchised a bunch of people from their jobs and their livelihoods and their ability to feed themselves if only we had uh, a, a a cool term for this like accumulation by dispossession uh which literally if you think about what that actually means is just <laughs> theft uh, accumulating theft. Yeah. gaining by someone else not having right um but so automation is the thing that most accelerationists really love because they recognize, uh, and these are the kind of accelerations that vote for Yang. Uh, Yang yeah, Yang Gang, and uh, awesome. I like UBI as long as we have a lot of other shit to go along with it, like rent controls. But the 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 problem with viewing automation as a good thing is simply that. It, it it doesn't do what we think it would do in that sense because it is still part of the cultural logic of capital, not the logic of human beings being good to one another. That's not right. how capital works. Yeah. And if your boss, if the capitalist uh, ends up, and, and that's what Marx refers to as capitalists, as people that own capital, the means of production. Which which is the thing we've talked about before. That, right. That, you know, 
you are not a capitalist you are a person experiencing capitalism uh unless you are a capitalist in which case fuck you i don't think you're listening to this podcast if you're an actual capitalist maybe someone sent it to them in an angry like (laughs) i quit uh, message that's my goal listen listen to the benzo rehab dungeon you fucking capitalist pig dog (laughs) this i i I sent you this time-coded clip to tell you to go fuck yourself uh please do that please do that by the way you fired that guy because you wanted to make extra money and you should put Damn. your head in your butt. Got him. See, that's hyperstition right there, yeah. my friend, which we'll we'll also describe. Uh, but but you know, it's like the minimum wage debate. It's based on the same kind of misunderstanding of what happens with capital, where okay, yeah. I understand why people would think that increasing the minimum wage would make them lose jobs, but Capitalists don't hire more people than they need to. Yeah. They just fucking don't. Uh, not successful ones, which are the ones that are hiring most of you. Um, so the idea that they would make a system more efficient and thereby uh, give you some time off and pay you the same amount is fucking crazy. Unless you want to form a fucking union and fucking do it yourself, which would be dope. Um but but it's it's the same logic just in reverse, right? No, absolutely, uh, yeah. And so that's fucking wrong, uh, unless we live in fucking la la land where people are moral, uh, which I uh, we should aim for that. You know, it's but, uh, it's it's amazing that you bring that up because uh, it is amazing. That there there up. are people who live in la la land where they believe that uh, uh, companies are inherently good and um, right. The the profit incentive doesn't play a role in every decision that companies make. So I think that part of that is right in that companies are sadly inherent. <laughs> that's right. that's the only thing that's right about it is that yeah. they're inherent. Yeah, no. they're inherent. Um, so we've mentioned a few times hyperstition. Yeah, and hyperstition isn't a term. It is a very complicated term, but it's not a term that's so complicated. Uh, that we could spend an entire episode on it unless we want to make it way too complicated and turn it into like a 12-point episode. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think there's there's pretty easy ways to describe it where where hyperstition is just uh, the, the influence of uh, maybe fictional works um, kind of informing the direction that we go in. So... Yes, kind of, but fictional works that on its own is is kind of though it's correct. I think it might guide the mind to the wrong place. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and you can expand but, on that. But so it it's fictional quantities, um, which which seems like maybe a a, a distinction without a difference. But but I, I promise you, it, no, 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 it, I, it I matters. There's, there's a very um, good difference there. But uh, my favorite example. Of a hyperstitious uh, event. Sorry, I'm so gassy today. This is supposed to be my big talky day, and I'm I can't gassy. stop doing a burpee. Oh, by the way, join my workshop if you're interested in hyperstition, because that's going to be the one. Um, yeah, we talk about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. We talk about it at least once a month. Uh, that's the guaranteed session on hyperstition. Uh, but we bring it up constantly because that's what I like. Uh, but also, uh, that's going to be uh, one of the classes that at least for the time being is never going to phase out we're just going to talk about it forever um appropriate to hyper yeah i was going to say that seems appropriate Uh, to the subject (laughs) but um 
So it's the the uh, uh, fictional quantities effect, uh, affecting culture. But my favorite example of it isn't you know a uh, like a J.G. Ballard uh, text or or uh, like uh, what's his name the guy that came up with the he did the time machine, but obviously that hasn't happened yet. But he did like twenty thousand leagues or and all that stuff. Oh, um, uh, what's his fucking name? Fuck. You know, you guys know who I'm talking about. But he, Army Hammer, no. Army <laughs> Hammer. Yeah, he 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 invented all these machines, and then they existed later. Uh, but my favorite example of hyperstition is artificial intelligence. Jules Verne. Jules Verne. Thank you. But artificial intelligence is hyperstitious. Yeah. Um. And there is a there's a famous kind of mind game thing called Roka's Basilisk, which I'll explain as well as kind of a, a, a development off of this. But but artificial intelligence, the idea that we could make an intelligent machine that develops itself and makes itself more and more efficient uh, to the point that it's infinitely more intelligent than a human being is scary. And I think that for the most part, people wouldn't want that to happen right except for people that are fascinated by it, i guess but you know that's another problem but generally speaking if we could decide to build an organism that's infinitely better at everything than we are we would probably choose not to do it right yeah but because we don't want it to happen and because the thought's been injected into our brains we will make it happen because if we don't do it as the U.S., then China will do it. <laughs> if China doesn't do it, we will do it. If neither of us do it, Russia or Canada or Israel or someone will do it, right? Yeah. So we don't we don't want to be the last ones to have our own AI, yeah. which we actually can't control, right. but we'll hopefully be on our side because we created it. Yeah, sort of thing. And there are different you know theories of AI, which is which is but, part of what Roko's Basilisk is. Yes. Uh, where, and maybe I'm stealing your thunder a little bit, but I'll, yeah, I'll give good. my, yeah, please, my please. Yeah, yeah. interpretation of it. Uh, Roko's Basilisk is the idea that there is going to be an AI at one point, and this AI is going to optimize everything. And part of that optimization process is going to be persecuting everybody that wasn't, uh, wasn't, um, instrumental in improving yeah in, it, right? instrumental in in creating this optimization process so basically you know we we have prolonged uh maybe human suffering or human in uh inefficiency longer than it should have been because we weren't working towards the creation of this ai so there there's there's one thing wrong with that uh though uh, uh, otherwise that's that's a, a good exemplification of it but but people oftentimes read the Roko's Basilisk thing as being like the Basilisk will essentially like take revenge and destroy people that weren't. No, 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 no. It's, it's but, not. It's not an act of revenge. It's just. Uh, but the you were inoptimal, and I'm going to get rid of you. It's that. weirder than that, though. Okay, go it's on. even weirder because Roko's Basilisk is is ultimately dependent <laughs> upon the notion that statistically speaking, if AI is possible, AI uh, will exist, right? Yeah. And so if AI is possible and will exist, then the statistic probability that we're inside of a simulation produced by an AI is almost infinitely high um, because it produces simulations. I mean, it depends how you view consciousness that can complicate things. 
but but the the chance of being inside of one of infinite simulations produced by an, uh, an AI uh, versus not being in the simulation is pretty. It's it's more likely that you're in a simulation. I'm not saying that we're in a simulation, but but for this thought experiment, and so Roko's Basilisk, having known how time goes, knows how to optimize itself and runs these simulations for such. And so there is at a certain point a simulation where uh, you, by simply knowing that Roko's Basilisk exists, um, you are then thrown into the fray of having to choose whether or not to optimize uh, or, 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 to, or, or to be optimal in producing it. Right. And so if you are not, upon learning about Roko's Basilisk, it will uh, torment you forever. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, it's a bizarre simulation theory. That's kind of, that's, that's, that's necessary inside of the whole thing in order to really make it all click though. I could also see your version working in a, a funny way, but, um, it's, it, it links into this concept of, of, of retro causality or like backwards time and movement that is really important to a lot of people in accelerationism and like hyperstitious, uh, kind of circles, which is really fascinating. Um, just the idea that the future causes the past. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's hmm. part of like the, the, uh, the political experiment, I guess, is that we're, we're always looking towards the future. And so, you know, we, we do things and then, you know, a minute later, that thing is now the past. Right. Um, and so so the future is informing the past in that way, because we have the the ability to to imagine a future and uh, act upon it. Right. One of my favorite memes that floats up every once in a while. And I, I wish I knew who made it, but it's actually such like it's fucking stupid, but it's also <laughs> really smart, um, which it might have been beyond woke and problematic, who I want to have on the podcast sometime soon. Uh, but uh, it's. It's just a picture of Nick Land smiling, and it says uh, something to the tune of, of oh. you 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 don't believe in hyperstition, as in you don't believe that uh, that fiction can influence reality. Yeah. Then why are you jacking off to it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, good fucking point. Yeah, <laughs> shit, <It> got me. <laughs> yeah, I am masturbating to Nick Land's smiling face right now, um, but. Uh, I mean that's that's the real really important stuff. I I kind of there's some other stuff that I want to talk about, but maybe I'll save it for later, like outsideness and and different concepts and like a Deleuze Guattarian uh, kind of uh, form because that's yeah, huge. We, we but could maybe do a uh, uh, accelerationism too. We all, I mean, we did a fascism too. It's important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, there's always more shit to say about all of this. Hopefully, I mean, we're in a loop. Oh yeah, the other thing about the the feedback loops. Feedback yeah. loops is incredibly important. You brought it up, um, but that uh, Nick Land describes hyperstition uh, as being an apocalyptic feedback loop. Yeah, uh, and and a big part of that is simply uh, I I made this one up, but that teleology is eschatology, which is a fancy way of saying anything that's goal oriented leads us towards the end or the apocalypse. Um, when you make something happen, you increase entropy, <laughs> and there you go. Uh, so these feedback loops loop into one another, accelerate things by nature, 
and then the world ends. Which is what we want, right? Yeah, we all want the world to end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anti-natalists do. I'm not an anti Mike. I'm not an anti <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to have kids I have to, myself. I have to straw man you. Yeah, I know. Guys, if I don't have a kid in the next five years, shoot me. I'm going to be the one that shoots him. Yeah, I'm just looking for an excuse to, for someone to shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think we can uh, probably end it there. Take um, my medicine. <laughs> that was a little bit premature. Did I fuck that up? Yeah. Nah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, everybody who listened. Uh, if you have any questions, yeah. Um, in in regards to anything we talked about, um, yeah, you can post on the or you can comment on the YouTube thing. I don't check the YouTube stuff. The only reason I knew about the the question that we talked about in the beginning is because. One of the uh, the listener uh, pointed it out to me, um, and and otherwise I wouldn't have known because I I handle right. all of these things on different accounts. Yeah, YouTube is uh is a newer uh service that we're we're, we're on, yeah. uh, and so we don't check it as much as we should. We should start checking it more, but not that many people listen to us or watch us on YouTube yet. And so it's kind of on the back right. burner. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the best way, if you, if you have earnest questions about anything we've talked about, uh, the best way is to just contact us on Instagram probably. Yep. Um, I, I don't think you ignore a lot of messages. I don't, I don't ignore any messages. I, I always try to respond in some way. To I'm such that. a fucking spurg. I can't have notifications. Oh, okay. uh, so I need to at least look at it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it yeah. hurts. I'm an asshole. I suck. Yeah, um, but y'all answer probably. But yeah, uh, re- reach out to us on our Instagrams, um, or I'll block you. I'm at Benzo Rehab Dungeon. He's at uh, at Dank to Lose. I do have a pitch, real quick. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry, no, poorly no, timed. Uh, but the the workshop, which I mention each time, which is uh, it's on Patreon. It's T R U N C A T A. Trincata at Patreon. You can also find it in my bio at Dank to Lose on Instagram. Uh, but we are adding a new uh, theme to the workshop. Yep. Which, which if I'm you're... very excited about. Hell yeah. But yeah, if you're interested in this kind of thing, not only will you be interested in the Sacrifice Workshop and the Hyperstition Workshop that we have, as well as probably the Eco-Aesthetics Workshop, because all of this does link into ecological collapse and the sterilizing of the biosphere. Uh, but we are introducing Revolt. Uh, and that will be uh, applicable in all three ter- uh, usages of the term. Uh, we'll we'll send you a cookie if you uh, can tell us all three of its meanings. Don't uh, promise a cookie. I'm not going to give anyone a cookie. Oh, like a, like maybe like a picture of a cookie? Yeah, okay. something like that. I'll be Fair a smart ass yeah. about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Revolt is the new one that we're adding in. It will uh, feature one of the only Foucault essays that I will ever make anyone read. But otherwise, uh, we're going to focus on stuff that I think is more fun. It'll be dope. It'll be scary. I'll convince you guys to destroy the government, um, but in a, <laughs> in Minecraft. Uh, and, did, did uh, I, uh, did I tell you I... I... I think I think I'm coming around on the the anarchism thing. Fuck yeah! Someone yelled at me about that recently. No, fuck them. I just I I mentioned uh like someone said this is how Marxism can still work as a joke, and I said don't you mean anarchism? And this guy fucking blew up. It was very funny. <laughs> it was like what the fuck? Someone that I really like, so I shouldn't call him out on the fucking podcast. No, but no, also like fine. come on, bro. Yeah, no, I uh, I got so I, I want to say probably like five months ago 
I joined a few different leftist uh, Facebook groups. Mm. I was like, oh, we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> Which always goes well. Facebook leftist. Yeah, I got booted from the very last one I joined uh, because I wasn't a fan of North Korea. DPRK can do no wrong, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um so so yeah, you know, um and and part of my criticism of this group was uh they they were basically telling me to accept that, you know, everything I knew about the DPRK was uh CIA propaganda, which, you know, he, a lot you know of me. Maybe. Yeah, sure. You know me. I'm a huge fan of the CIA and everything it does That's and true. um I don't just like take like Maybe a little bit of a critical look at some governments. And no, how you believe run. everything I've ever told you. You've never looked at anything <laughs> that I've ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I I uh, I criticize the DPRK for you know being bad in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, what eventually came of that is is uh, I got kicked. Look, but, I um, I just part part of my part of my rebuttal to everything that they were saying was, uh, you know, like I. Uh, and and you know i'm I'm kind of on the edge here i i don't think i'm necessarily an anarchist you're like a left com probably yeah probably yeah. um but you know like one of the things that i can agree with anarchists about is like the the abolishment of unjustified heart hierarchies fuck yeah it should be everyone's goal yeah that, in that's, everything right like there's nothing wrong with that like if if a hierarchy if someone is shouldn't be your fucking if someone shouldn't be your fucking daddy they shouldn't be your fucking daddy. They shouldn't be your fucking daddy, exactly. I mean, and yeah. so you know, my my criticism of this group was that, like, oh well, yeah, this is a left unity group where everybody, <laughs> <laughs> where everybody left unity group yeah. rules. Fuck yeah! All right, Sorry. where everybody who, who who you know thinks that unjustified hierarchies should be abolished is mm-hmm. eventually going to get the wall because you're all fucking tankies. Yeah, fuck you, ad man. Um, yeah, and so I said um, that, and and the response that I got to it was uh, modify your behavior to the group rules, or you'll be, you'll be muted or removed. <laughs> shit. I was like, ah oh, man, the tankies once again act I, in a way that I would expect them to. Y- y- you know, maybe horseshoe theory is true in a way because every time that I end up coming into conflict with uh, actually anyone on the political spectrum, uh, but. <laughs> But tankies are definitely included in that. My best, uh, my best reaction to them is just cut, 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 cut. So, so you know, I I think eventually we we should have a podcast that we need to do anarchism and Marxism and communism and stuff. Not even just that, but a discussion maybe on a deeper level about how people's uh political and ideological beliefs aren't always coherent yeah well no i feel like that's kind of that's a big part of the benzo rehab dungeon is like a violent uh awareness (laughs) of that fact yeah because because people will believe in a lot of things and then act in completely different ways and and we're seeing it you know one of the things that i'm seeing a lot in in leftist circles right now is like this this carceral judgment of all the people that stormed the Capitol. No shit. Um, that, that, that is a very interesting development. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's, 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 well, not, it's... not to, not to talk poorly about people who, you know, that there, there is, you know, uh, uh, an impetus for some kind of consequence to what happened. Right. On January 6th. Um, but, 
you know, there, there also needs to be like a, an alternate discussion about like, okay, yeah, but we don't need more uh, anti-terrorism laws because we're right. already living under like the most obscene anti-terrorism laws that could possibly exist. Right. And, you know, like maybe we don't need to send all these people to prison. Maybe, you know, yeah, there, there are some ringleaders who should be, you know, held accountable for what they did, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we, you know, lock everybody up who was involved in all this right. thing. It's there, there, there's um, something that we're going to look at in the revolt workshop is uh is a fascinating uh kind of take by maybe i shouldn't even say who it's by because then you guys can find it on your own no just kidding i don't believe in unjustifiable hierarchies uh so walter (laughs) benjamin he he talks (laughs) he talks about uh a certain sequence of forms of violence and one of uh one of his big takeaways is uh he ultimately uses it to like defend the notion of general strikes which i agree uh but the uh storming the capital and putting them in prison or you know punching nazis and stuff i get people's thought around this but i think that that's not necessarily the most helpful thing to do though i would be open to finding a way for the earth to open up beneath them to swallow them and kill them all instantly <laughs> uh and we will find a logical way to make that work because it's already been done for us by this amazing amazing philosopher and uh please join the workshop or else just read his critique of violence on your own i don't you know fair enough to you yeah all right. Well, uh, with that, I think we we have reached the end of this uh, this episode. We love or feel mostly indifferent, probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel much anymore. You're fine. Uh, we love you. Please take your medicine. Take mine too. Goodbye.